Welcome to the PKF Camps podcast. We're excited to share this message with you from Surf City 2018. We're picking up back with the story of Peter. But, uh, but before we do that, how was your guys' day? Was it good? Yeah? Who went, uh, who, who did some uh, tubing? Yeah, how was the tubes out there? Were they good? Yeah? Deflated? Uh, you got out of the bad tube, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. Who went to the whip and dip uh? Yeah. Who, who crashed on the way to the whippy dip uh? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm telling you, man, this story is funny. I know that you're, you're a little injured, but not enough that it's not funny. So literally, David, David um, comes up and like, you know, first his, his leader comes up, hey, you know, because we, we drove like smart humans, and uh, they all rode their bikes, you know, and she's like, hey, um, you know, uh, do you have room for, in your car for, for one of our students? I was like, yeah, I mean, probably. She's like, what about a bike? I was like, I don't think so. I don't know. You know, but then, uh, you know, we realized we had Kim in her van, so we could make it work, right? And then David comes up, and I didn't realize that the wreck had, like, just happened. And so, like, he comes up, and he still has that, like, that whole like adrenaline thing going on. And also he's definitely embarrassed. And like definitely he's just kind of like, oh yeah, so um, yeah, no, it was just like a little rack and like, um, you know, it was just, I mean, you know, you know. I, he goes, I literally think he said this. I think he goes, I goofed. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, he was like, I goofed, yeah, I just, uh, you know. And like, I'm starting to look at him, dude, and he's like gushing blood, like. It's coming off of him, man. And, um, but he definitely was in that like adrenaline type zone, right? Where also he's just kind of like, yeah, no, it's good. Like, um, dude, the bike's fine, dude. It's just the, um, the front tire, right? And he like shows me the front tire. It's like, like bent. And I was like, how did you do that? What's this thing made out of? Like American steel? My goodness, what did you do? But uh, man, that was funny. That was really funny. So, um, so diving back in, guys. We were, we were kind of walking with Peter before last night and uh, your 20 minutes. I hope you guys' 20 minutes was good. Um, I hope it was. And, uh, and if, if you um, kind of felt like maybe you missed out, maybe you didn't uh, go as deep as you could have in that 20 minutes, maybe you didn't feel like God met you there, listen, I'm going to tell you like a big, big secret, okay? There's lots of 20 minutes in the day. There's like many of them. There are 72 blocks of 20 minutes in every single day. So 72, and in a week, that means there are? How many? 154? That doesn't sound right at all. Hold on, I don't have my phone on me. Anna, you got your phone? All right, so 72 times 7. 504? 504? That means that in a year there is. Times 52? 504 times 52? Twenty-six thousand two hundred and eight blocks of twenty minutes. In ten years. We did the math wrong for the seventy-two. 
No. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. Five hundred twenty-five thousand moments, so dear. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. How do you measure, measure a year? In daylights, in sunsets, in midnights, in cups of coffee, in inches, in miles, in laughter, in strife. How about love? Done, 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 whatever. Um, yeah, that's right. And they told me a degree in musical theater was going to be useless. Well, suck on that. Woo! We are, we are so derailed right now. We are more derailed than David when he wrecked his bike. That's it for me. Have a good night. No, I'm kidding. Um, what is happening? I'm, I'm punchy. I'm weird right now. Um, no, but serious. Um, and Peter. <laughs> um, no, but seriously. Seriously. Guys. It's rude. Um, um, man. I just... Just on a side note, man, I laugh when people say that being a Christian is boring. I do. That's so silly. I just, I'd have, I have more fun hanging out with you guys and doing things like this and goofing off and, and being at camps like this and being at youth group and just doing life with kind of, you know, with people like you. And, and, uh, and it's just so, man, my heart hurts for people who don't have a community like that, a community that loves Jesus and loves each other like that. And, uh, and we're going to get more. That's my, that's my message for tomorrow, really. But, um, but just in, in that moment, I don't know, man. I was, just, I was just loving being with you guys. And it's just it's so funny when people are like, man, being Christian is boring. Like, it's just a set of rules. Like, it just really sucks. I'm like, come hang out with me, bro. Like, I laugh. You guys are so fun to hang out with. Um, but anyway, so we, I want to catch up the story with Peter, okay? So we left when Peter had denied Jesus three times, the darkest moment in his life, right? Peter was afraid for his life. Peter was afraid uh, for, for, um, for his personal safety. Like, it was not good, right? Peter could have easily ended up on a cross next to Jesus. But Peter denied him. Even in his big boast of, listen, I'll go wherever you go. I'll do whatever you do. Whatever they throw at you, I will take. Peter did not stand up to that. And it was because Peter was living in imperfect love. Peter was living encapsulated in fear, and Peter was unable to see past that. And so Peter watches as his Lord, as Jesus Christ, is brutally, brutally, brutally executed on the cross. We talked about last night how it was literally the worst way that you could die. And, and Peter sits there, right, with the other disciples and with the women that followed Jesus and they watch as their Messiah, the one they thought was this conquering king, the one they thought that had come to change everything, breathes his last breath and dies on a cross. And it's over. And then we talked about how Peter and the other disciple go to a tomb in the morning, and the tomb has been kicked open. The tomb of Jesus Christ is empty. The stone has been rolled away. 
And let me tell you this, the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could walk out. There was not a stone big enough on earth that could possibly contain Christ once he has finished and accomplished what he came to do. There was no stone big enough, but the stone is rolled away because you and I, just like Peter, just like John, just like Mary, need to be able to walk up and look in and see an empty tomb. We need to know for a fact that our Savior has risen, that the Messiah truly is who he claimed to be, truly is what he said he was. He said he is not only the life, but he is also the resurrection. And if we are giving our lives to him, then not only do we enter into his death, but we too enter into his resurrection. Can you imagine Peter on that morning, that amazing first Easter morning? Guys, I love Christmas. Christmas is great. As a kid, especially, I feel like our brains are just wired to be like, Christmas, 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 presents, presents, presents. Give it to me, give it to me. I want a hamster. Give me a hamster. I got a hamster. Oh, they wrapped my hamster up. Look, I can smell it. I can smell a hamster. I got a hamster. Ah, the hamster bit me. The hamster died. That happened, by the way. And, uh, and we get super excited, right? But in my adult life, I'm here to tell you I love Easter. I love Easter. There is a holiness. There is a reverence around Easter, and I can only imagine what that very first Easter morning was like as they stood there and saw an empty tomb, as Mary encountered the living Jesus Christ, as the disciples one by one had encounters with Jesus as he appeared to them, as he continued to teach them over a period of 40 days before he finally ascended and took his place on the throne. And this is one of those moments I was reading to you. And isn't it so amazing how it reflects Peter's first interaction with Jesus? Peter's first interaction, we read how Jesus stood on the shore and shouted out, have you caught any fish? And they replied, no. Try again. Go a little bit deeper. And they do, and there's a miraculous catch. And then here, after Christ has been glorified and resurrected, again, he finds himself standing on a shore, and Peter and the other disciples, see, they've gone back to what they know. They've gone back to fishing. And again, Jesus stands on the shore. Friends, have you caught any fish? No. Put your net out a little bit further. Try on the right side. And again, a miraculous catch of fish. And John, the disciple, looks and says, that is Jesus. Guys, do you see him? And Peter, his eyes are open. They realize, oh my God, it's Jesus. And Peter, I told you, he's the first, right? He's that head disciple. He's the first one to declare that he's the Messiah. He's the first one to, to get out of the boat and walk on water. And being Peter, Peter jumps out of the boat. He jumps out and swims to shore. He is so excited to see Jesus. And the rest of the disciples follow along behind him. And then it says this. Jesus says, hey, go get some of those fish. Let's have breakfast. And Peter, again, just being this Labrador retriever, just kind of like, yeah, let's do it. He jumps back in the water and goes to the boat. And they bring it in. And they have breakfast. They eat together. I wonder what was going on in Peter's mind. I'm sure at first there was just this incredible excitement. It's Jesus. He did what he said he was going to do. He is the true Messiah. He is the king. He is the very lion of Judah. I wonder when it started to sink in. I denied him. I messed up. 
I wonder, as his head started to spin and that guilt and that shame started to creep back in, I wonder how small Peter felt. I wonder how Peter's heart just began to sink. He is the Messiah, and I denied him. We'll never know until we get there. But I look forward to conversations with Peter. I look forward to conversations with John, but more than anything, I look forward to conversations with the Christ. But, but I wonder what's going on in Peter's head. And then Peter and Jesus have an interaction. It comes at the end of the book of John. Sorry for this cold. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And, and people have argued, what is he talking about? Do you love them more than these? Do you love me more than you love the other disciples? Do you love me more than you love, you know, do you love me more than they love me? The wording's a little interesting, but I really think that Jesus is looking around at Peter's old life. They're sitting around the boats. The nets are right there. The fresh catch is right there. This was Peter's old, comfortable life. In a lot of ways, you could say that it was Peter's old, comfortable grave. The same ones we are so tempted to sit in. Simon, do you love me more than you love this? Do you love me more than you love this life? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three. How many times did Jesus reinstate Peter? Three. I don't think that's a coincidence. Guys, the, the symmetry in this story, I like to say that the greatest authors in the world could not write that. Shakespeare could not write that. Stephen King could not write that. Brandon Sanderson could not write that. The symmetry behind the story is incredible. And three times do you love me. Now I want to bring a very important point up. We've all been Peter. I've been Peter. I spent a long time in college being Peter. I know that you guys have been Peter. And if, you know, guys, we're being honest. We're getting real, right? I know that. We've been Peter. There's been times when we've turned our back on God. But I want you to understand what's happening here. When Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? It's not the other way around. He doesn't say, Peter, are you willing to feed my sheep? And then Peter says, yes, and Jesus says, great, I love you. He doesn't say, are you willing to take care of my lambs, Peter? And then Peter says, yeah, I'll do that for you. And now Jesus says, good, we can have a good relationship now. It's not like that, and it never will be. 
The first and foremost, the thing Jesus cares about more than anything is do you love me? Do you want me? Do you want to have a relationship with me? Do you want what I have to offer? And if you do, we'll get to the business part later. But right now, all that matters is do you love me? Because Jesus demonstrated to us how much he loves us when he stretched his arms out and allowed himself to be nailed to that cross. He showed how much he loved us. He gave everything. He left his throne in heaven. He was born as a baby. He went through ridicule, pain, being spit on, being betrayed by a best friend, being nailed to a cross the entire time saying, this is how much I love you. Do you get it? Now, do you love me? Don't worry about what comes after this question. Don't think about what comes after this question. I've had so many conversations with people who feel like they need to get themselves cleaned up before they can come to Jesus. They need to take care of the business before they can come to Jesus. And I think the American church has it so stinking backwards. How many of you go to a church where every single person there is literally dressed in their Sunday best? Their children are acting perfect. They never bring up the problem in their lives. They never talk about the pain they're going through. They never talk about the struggle that they're in. They pretend like they are perfect and now they're ready to go to church. But listen, church is not for the people who are perfect. Church is for the people who are broken. I am not a Christian because I have everything put together. I am a Christian because I am desperately, desperately messed up. I know how broken I am. And if it started with the business end, if Jesus said, hey, KG, get your crap together, then come and catch up with me, I would never make it. You would never make it. But that's not what he says. Do you love me? Are you ready to have a relationship with me? When the answer is yes, now we'll start down the path. Now we can begin. I was, I was just down in the Dominican on a missions trip, and it was incredible. But I remember sitting in this woman's house, just a small house, no bigger than this stage, cement blocks, and uh, I was sitting on her tiny little couch, and some other people were sitting on these plastic chairs, and we were talking to her about Jesus. And she said she loves Jesus. She prays to Jesus. She goes to church. I said, great, so you're a Christian. She said, oh, no, no, I'm not ready to be a Christian. I said, why not? She said, well, I smoke cigarettes. I said, what? What are you talking about? She said, no, I could never become a Christian. I still smoke cigarettes. When I'm ready to give up smoking cigarettes, then I'll become a Christian. Guys, how, much of you, how many of you have that same mindset? When I'm ready to give up on my addictions, when I'm ready to give up on chasing the flesh, when I'm ready to give up on my dreams, when I'm ready to give up on the things that I'm chasing after, when I'm willing to give up my partying on the weekends, when I'm willing to give up my pornography, when I'm willing to give up these things, then I will come to Jesus. Guys, that is so backwards, because guess what? You'll never get there. And the great news is that's not where he starts. Do you love me? Do you want me? 
We'll worry about everything else after that. But he starts to lay it out for Peter because Peter is finally entering into perfect love. See, Jesus has accomplished what he came and now Peter can enter into perfect love with Jesus. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter's story, according to church history, ends on a cross. But Peter felt himself so unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus that he demanded to be crucified upside down. It didn't matter anymore. Peter knew who the Messiah was. Peter knew who Jesus was. And Jesus gave him instructions. And Peter said, okay, let's do this. But notice where it started. Do you love me? Yeah. Let's go do business together. We have work to do. Is your story going to end up like Peter's? I don't know. The world's getting a little crazy. America's getting a little crazy. There are people whose stories do end in death for the cross. They do end in death for who Jesus is. But it's up to the master who, whose lives you know, live like that. He will give you grace no matter what for that. I'm not sitting here saying that that's what it's going to be like, but I am saying that it happens. There are people in the Middle East who are put to death for their faith in Jesus. There are people in Africa. There was one girl I was following for a while um, her name was Rachel in Africa. Um, she was uh, in um, uh, Nigeria, and the Boko Haram had taken her and about 117 other women. Every one of them uh, converted to, to Islam because the Boko Haram demanded it, and she was the only one who refused. All the others were released. We still don't know what happened to her. She refused to say no to Jesus. She refused. I think about that girl, man. She's like 16 years old, and she did what Peter could not do. It's incredible. But are you willing to give up your lives for what he wants? Are you willing to give up your reputations? Are you willing to say, I don't give a rip what people in my school think? Are you willing to say, I don't care what people in my community think? I don't care what people on my soccer team think, because guess what? Jesus is more important. Jesus is bigger than that. And Jesus has work for me to do. Jesus tells me to love people the way that he loves them. Jesus tells me to tell people about who he is. And I love Jesus, so I'm going to do that. I don't care about what, how many likes I have on social media. I promise if you like switch over to all these Christian posts, you might go down a little bit. I don't know. Unless you have like the right followers. I, I, I literally, I don't have Instagram. I don't know how it works. But, but guys, Jesus is clear, man. He says, the world hated me. Do you think you're going to be any better off? 
But in the end, it's worth it. In the end, he is the king of everything. In the end, he is Lord of lords. And in the end, he has a better plan for your life than you could ever imagine. And Peter lived into that. Peter's life up until his death was spent loving people, was spent was spent bringing people together, was spent telling people who Jesus was. One of the first sermons Peter ever preaches, 3,000 people are blessed by the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people come to Jesus. Peter gives his life to loving people the way that Jesus loved people. It's incredible. Guys, we have the same calling on our lives. And we will have the same blessings. Jesus promises his Holy Spirit. When we cannot do it on our own, the Holy Spirit will let us do it. It'll give us the strength. He will give us the power. He will give us the words. He will give us the truth. He will give us the encouragement. He will give us everything we need to keep moving forward. I just want to live for Jesus. There's an urgency in that. If you spent last night and you didn't say yes, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, maybe I missed out. First and foremost, yeah, you did. But guess what? It doesn't end with last night. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you can always say yes to Jesus. As long as your heart is still beating, you can say yes to Jesus. And guys, if it takes a Peter-like story, if it takes a KG-like story, if it takes your story to say yes, then that's amazing, guys. Listen, people want to say that there are many routes to God. Listen, hey, God's on top of a mountain, man. There are many routes to God. That is a lie from the enemy. There is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. But there are as many paths to Jesus Christ as there are people on this planet. He is calling you. He wants to give you a story. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you him. The greatest gift we could ever have. I just, I want to live my life for him. At this point, I don't know any other way. And I wouldn't want any other way. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you, Lord, because you are good. When all else is crumbling beneath us, you are good. When we are surrounded by darkness and struggle and pain, you are good. When we are entering into spiritual battle, you are good. When we are being challenged on all sides by friends, by enemies, by family, by brothers, by sisters. You are good. When we feel like we cannot do it on our own, you are good. It has nothing to do with what we can do. It has everything to do with what you've already done. God, I give my life to you.
pray that you do with it whatever you see fit. I want to follow you. I want to watch you do miracles. I want to watch you shape and shake the very foundations of the earth. I want to watch as you call people into redemption. I want to watch as you call people into salvation. I want to be simply a mouthpiece for you to use to speak your words and your truth. I want to be your hands to do your work. Father, at the end of the day, I, I want to receive your blessing. I want you to tell me well done. I don't care about anybody else in this world. All I care about is hearing your voice. God, be amongst us. Let your spirit settle into this room. Father, I feel, I feel in my spirit that there is people here who are on the very cusp of saying yes to you, but there is fear holding them back. There is something holding them back. Father, through your spirit, I ask that you destroy those obstacles. Father, I ask that people do business with you. Father, I ask that through the very power of Jesus Christ, that your light shines into their darkness. Father, I know that there are people in this room who want to say yes. Give them courage. Give them boldness. Give them strength to chase boldly after you to jump out of the boat, to swim to the shore, running after you, crying out, Lord, Lord. I praise you, Father, for the hearts that beat in this room. And Father, I pray that for those who still sit comfortably in their graves, that you kick open those tombs and that your light shines in the darkness. Jesus Christ, I love you. And in your very matchless, holy, and perfect name, we ask that you come in power and in might, in our lives, in our world, and in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to audio recorded at Surf City 2018. Surf City is a ministry of the Pittsburgh Kids Foundation. For more information, visit us online at pkfcamps.org or find us on Instagram at pkfcamps.